You are listening to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com with an orchard of wisdom just ready for your picking, filled with illuminating, inspiring stories. Do check out the community and the discovery stores. We are here for you. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Their Story Matters. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Sarah Squires. Two Sarahs and Sarahs here today. (laughs) I should just call love, okay? Um, We have a wonderful series here for you, and it's one that really is very, very impactful. Uh, We're talking about narcissism and uh, sociopath and um, psychopaths and what they really are and what they really mean in relationships. And last week I had a show with Anushka on, you know, narcissistic relationships. And today, Sarah and I are going to be talking about narcissistic parents and the damage they do to their children and how to survive or or come out of, um, you know, being parented by a narcissist and actually <laughs> find yourself because it's a, it, it's a very hard thing to, to survive from but we're going to sur- um, share those survival tips here today and you know from the UK so they're giving UK quotes here but they're saying that you know 26,000 people in the UK are diagnosed with having severe personality disorder 60-70% of all child abuses feature a parent with severity disorders and you know those um, those reports are really quite scary when you think of how much how much is out there, how little is being done because nobody's talking about it. You know, we refer to narcissism to certain people in show business and politics, but we do not look upon it in our own home environment, um, you know, amongst our friends, amongst our relatives, amongst our co-workers, or certainly the children of it. So let us dive right into it because it's a subject that needs to be spoken about a show that you need to share with other people. This is not people bashing. This is understanding a behavior of a certain type of person and what you can and what you cannot do um, with it. Because you're a child of a narcissistic parent, there's a lot of self-love that you need to find, right, Sarah? Because you're not getting it from the parent. No. That's the bottom line. I mean, one of the main things to make a good parent is that having that empathy, is the ability to feel love, and narcissists just aren't capable of doing that. So even from the second that child is born, a narcissist is not able to read the emotions of their own children. So their basic needs can't be met. That's, that's how serious a level of parenting disorder this is for children of narcissists. Yes. I, I actually... Um... I find that narcissistic parent, I think it becomes competitive with the child for the attention from the other parent, from the mother or the father, whoever the narcissist is, um, you know, isn't. Because um, narcissistic people, as we talked about in the last show, are people that actually have not been shown how to love, how to empathize, how to connect. And so that was never switched on in them. So there they have this beautiful that just needs a pouring of love, but they're incapable of doing it because it just wasn't ever taught to them. Absolutely. So the, those basic functions within normal or normal brain structure did develop. 
that neurologically they don't have these skills that we when you have a baby you look at their face when they cry you learn to pick up what that means does it mean they want their nappy changing does it mean that they're hungry does it mean they cuddle narcissists can't do that they, they're completely unable to register what a child's crying is mean so they can get very frustrated with the child and blame the child for not communicating effectively with them which is unbelievable because we know that the attachment process is so important for later outcomes in life and yet from the very second this child is born it it's developing an anxious attachment straight away straight back because this person can't meet their basic needs it doesn't recognize what those basic needs are and so they develop that insecure are they going to meet it am i going to be hungry am i going to get a cuddle and so that in itself presents a lot of problems as the child moves through those early informative years of their lives and i think it depends on the culture because you know you're british i'm british born and, you know, a lot of it was, you know, children should be seen and not heard. Uh, you know, they were brought up by the nanny. There was very strict rules and regulations of when a child should be attended to or not. And I think a lot of children may not have grown up narcissistic, but detached and with a ability to show emotions. Because certainly from my generation and older, um, it was just not something you did. You kept your you know control and your composure and you didn't show your emotions and i think that's one of the problems i mean it starts from childhood well absolutely but we still feel these feelings a child yes. a child will still feel hungry they'll still feel upset they'll still feel scared so what we do in those in those situations is we turn off we turn off that system within their brain that system that's designed to protect them from predators that has been involved over thousands and thousands of years since humans first stepped foot or, or however whatever you believe system is right how we evolved yeah. <laughs> um, then that attachment system evolved to keep us safe mm-hmm. children that were better attached to their parents didn't get eaten and right. the children that weren't attached to their parents got eaten with the protection of their parent. And so even now, even though the predators aren't, were not faced with them out in the wild, the parent becomes the predator. Mm. And so their, their attachment style becomes very disorganized because they, they love their parent. They naturally need to attach to this parent in order to stay alive. But equally, they need to to not attach to this parent because they're a threat. And this can create splitting. And we know splitting can lead to attachment, which in turn can lead to narcissism. So what we're talking about is narcissists breeding narcissists. Yes. And how do we prevent that? How do we prevent another generation from being lost to this horrendous affliction on society? Yeah, and and how, you know, we talked about it in the last show is that, you know, you can't help a narcissist until a narcissist wants to be helped because the first thing that will come up will be denial. No, there's nothing wrong with me. It's you. It's not me. You'll never ever accept any responsibility for the way they are because they truly and utterly do not believe that they're flawed or, you know, that they have any issues. So until a narcissist realizes, you know, maybe my behavior needs to change and I need help, you know, it is, it's a one-way street, so to speak. So if you have a, a narcissist bringing up a child and creating another narcissist, it's at, is there a particular age at a certain point where it's too late 
you know, before they're a full full fledged. It, it's one of those impossible things that we, um, we, I mean, they've been discussing this for years and we've still never got the ultimate answer. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at what else is in that child's environment. That a child can build resilience. So if you've got one incredibly nurturing, empathetic, well-adjusted, securely attached parent and then a narcissistic parent, that, that secure and nurturing parent will actually do a lot of good for that child because we create multiple attachments in our life. We don't just have them to one person. We have primary ones to our parents, but actually there's other ones. And so we can... We can have other attachments to other people that helped build that resilience within the child, and that resilience will ultimately protect them from from the lasting effects of the behaviours. But we've also got on top of that, we've got this learned behaviour that they're witnessing how adults treat one another. So they're learning about love, they're learning about relationships from this narcissistic, abusive relationship. They are also learning about themselves which isn't going to be the best, is it? They're mm-hmm. going to have quite low self-esteem because this the narcissist is a set, is rejecting them. And so the age, it's very hard. I mean, obviously, we all, we know 0 to 5 is really, really important for children. But actually, work can be done at any age. It can be done in your 30s. <laughs> right. So it's, it's just a question of the acknowledgement of them and then being able to do something about it, right? To be, you know, it's... The, uh, yeah. The more the non-narcissist parent is able to influence the child and provide that nurturing, the better outcomes for the child. If the child is alone with the narcissist, which is what happens in parental alienation cases where narcissists basically decide, right, you're an ex-partner, so you're also an ex-parent, and rid of them then that child is left alone with the narcissist. And so them growing up to be narcissistic increase because they they don't know any other world they don't know how to treat people in any other way they're again their brain will um, be manipulated those neural paths will be changed and so it does create that it creates the narcissistic or another antisocial psychopathic or borderline personality disorder can all be can all be um, born out of the same disorganized attachment yeah. When we do look at, um, there's a wonderful show called Mind Hunters, and uh, you know it's how the FBI came about with profiling and how they came up with the terminology serial killers, and mm. and it's um, you know it's a fictional thing but based kind of on some fact of how it came about, and it's how they interviewed the the killers um, mm. to try and understand, you know what brought this on, why, and and it was always going back to the fact that they weren't loved as a child, you know, kind of looking for their mummy, you know, always inside is a little child, girl or boy, looking to be loved. And when you really do look at a narcissistic person, there is that child inside of them, the love, so therefore they don't know how to love, but they're looking for love, but in all the wrong ways and in all the wrong places. Absolutely. They, um, underneath it all, when you're, if we look at a narcissist adult, but as a child, mm-hmm. they were um, in the similar environment to how they parent. So they they were given inconsistent love. They were 
um, afraid of their parent, but their primary motivational system of attachment was in place. So they, so they had to form a bond in order to, mm-hmm. sadly, their only way to form a bond is with the narcissistic oh, parent. And so they, they become very scared. Sorry, they yeah they're very they're very um, got the avoidancey because they don't want to bond with this predator essentially that is my parent. But equally, if I don't bond with them, I'm at risk. Yes, myself. So I have to form an attachment, uh, and they have to form that one. And and so as that child environment, they're learning, like I say, about relationships. They're learning about themselves. That's the most important thing. This child is learning that they're unlovable. This child is learning that they are very inadequate and they take this into their adult lives. And so when a narcissist falls in love, they're looking for someone else to stop that pain. Essentially, yes. they're looking, I'm in pain. I feel like I feel like I'm an awful, awful person. I don't want to feel none of it like that. I don't want to feel like this anymore. This wonderful shining light of a person who's going to listen to me, going to love me, going to give me so much, is going to make me feel better. Yeah. And we know, as Anushka would have said, that's never how it pans out. No. <laughs> that's, time. that's what it's for. It's for that, I need you need to regulate my emotions. You need to stop me from feeling like this. And then they put that onto the child. When, when relationships end and there's children involved... The child that regulatory other that they become the person that they look at to go, your responsibility is to make me feel better now. You will do really well in that exam because that will make me feel better. Not because I want you to do well or because I want yes. you to because it will make me feel better. And so a child growing up in that environment is always jumping through hoops and never ever getting the love that they painfully desire. Well, we see this so much in, in um with certain cultures, you know, where um, education is so important and there is no playtime, you know, mm. there there is no downtime of just letting a child get out there and play in the mud and do their thing. It It's about, now you must study. Now you must mm. study. Now you must study. You must get A's. If you get anything lower than an A, you're a failure. And would you say that would be a narcissistic parent that basically if that child doesn't shine, they don't shine? And they're certainly not considering the child. It's impossible to say whether someone is a narcissist based on that, but there there will be traits within that. But ultimately, it comes down to what is the motivation behind that? Mm. What is what is their reasoning? If it's a cultural thing, then you may have a narcissistic culture. It doesn't necessarily mean the indi- if the individuals within it actually are quite securely attached and and love their children. They just don't know any other way. Then that's very different. You've got to remember with a narcissist that there's an underlying severity disorder. So the behaviours alone, you'd have to have more than that one particular behaviour. Um, but it is a trait, uh, but it, it, you'd have to look at what the underlying reasons for. Because like I say, I think, in, like you said, in some cultures, absolutely, there's very very much emphasis in some in some schools <laughs> yes yes exactly well i mean sports you know i mean um yeah. you know um i mean i've i've known people you know be at the in their sports and uh, you know um and and just suddenly say i can't do this anymore you know i have no life my entire life is school and sports school and sports you know trying to be the top just to please 
you know, mum or dad and mm. can't do it anymore and then they drop out and then all hell breaks loose because the parent has vicariously lived through the success of the child. Is yeah. that a narcissistic behavior? Would you label that as something else? I think a lot of people have a tendency to live through their children. We don't want them to repeat the same mistakes that we've made. We want to give them the best. And sometimes parents can go too far with that and they can be pushy parents. They can um, want them to do all these things. But actually, they've got the best of intentions behind. They genuinely don't want them not finishing school. They don't want them to not have a good job. They don't want them to live the life that they've lived. Um, so again, it does go back to what is their what is their underlying because a just attachment that is underpinning the narcissistic personality is going to be evidenced in other areas, and it's not as easy as just saying that particular behavior that particular pushiness is down to a, a attachment. It could be very well meaning, just slightly off kilter, and those are the ones that actually. When you point that out to them and say, well, do, are they happy? Are your kids happy? Do they enjoy it? And they go, oh, I don't know. I've never asked them. Oh, I can't believe I did that. How awful. That's, <laughs> yes. I only wanted the best for them. Right. But the narcissist will, won't care. <laughs> right, yes. The narcissist yes. won't care whether the child is happy or not, as long as the narcissist is happy. And, of course, you know, with a narcissist is that they want their kids to look good out in public, not embarrass them. So the kids have to behave well, they have to look good, um, you know, uh, no shame must befall them. It's all about images, and image is really, really big with narcissists. So um, when it comes to it, you know, they must fit into a certain image. Definitely, because a narcissist has to be the perfect parent. Mm -hmm. They have to be, they have to come across to the rest of the world as being this all wonderful omnipotent person and that includes as a parent so yes in public in front of teachers in front of um, other parents they will on the surface look as though everything the children will be too afraid to speak up because if they do they get it in the neck when they get home and so it all all creates this picture perfect environment that yes everything's great and then they go home and the children are like oh oh mum that was great and then the out the box yes. and they're like hang on a minute <laughs> yeah exactly. out there. who's this person and it's very confusing for the child to to get to grips with why are they like this out there but then they're like this right at home. Yes. Who are these two different? Right, exactly. And you can tell a narcissist because you know how they come into the driveway, which one has come home. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we're looking at, you know, an incredible amount of bullying going on, you know, amongst children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are various reasons. A child that's obviously living in, you know, a high self-esteem that's truly loved, that really cares about people, taught that empathy, they're not going to go out and bully other kids. It's just, it can't be in their nature if they're if they're you know brought up with all that but would you say you know one of the causes of of uh, children um, that become bullies maybe that they're becoming the narcissist or they have most likely may have a narcissistic parent that they're not getting any of the attention at home and so they're trying to look for attention it depends on how they bully i think um there's obviously different types of bullies right. you get the yeah, they're quite sadistic yes. bullies. Yeah, just do it just because they like causing the pain. They're going to be the ones that are the narcissistic. Don't get actually a child of a narcissist has given up on getting attention from the parent because they know it will probably be bad. 
So they they won't necessarily act out. They'll probably be the perfectly behaved child at school. They'll be the that you would expect. Oh, really? Because well, yeah, because the parent has drummed it into them. Mm. Do not embarrass me. Do not do anything. If that kid ever acted out at school and the parent was called in, the hell that would have been unleashed on that child. And so they've learned very quickly behave 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 always always be on my best behavior because i can't embarrass mum. i can't embarrass dad and so actually they're less likely to be doing those behaviors bullies tend to be yeah they they're the ones they have um, an anxious attachment so they will do anything they can to get that attention they want it because they because they're not sure what's going on they're not sure um are they going to meet my needs? Are they not going to meet my needs? They will do anything to keep attaching to that child, uh, to keep attaching to their parent. But no, a, a child of a narcissist won't be badly behaved at school. Mm. They'll be very so, well behaved. So in, in, in other words, you know, the amount of bullying, and we know that many, many of times that this bullying has come from, you know, somebody, you know, somebody who just wants to hurt someone, you know, they're on a different path. But a lot of bullies are people that are in pain themselves. You know that are that are you feeling nobody loves them, nobody cares for them. So you that none of that would be to do with narcissism at all. No, I'm not saying not all of them. I'm saying you'd have to look at how they bully. Because actually, we know this. We know from how they treat adults. Narcissists are incredibly subtle. They're not going to be your playground. Your right. playground bully is the kid who, yeah, is desperate for that attention and love. A narcissist is going to be the one that pulls the strings on the of the bully and then is, is <laughs> yeah. stood. And everyone, everyone in school thinks they're wonderful, and they would never think that they would are possible. They, they, they would never do that. So they get away with it under the radar in exactly the same way as they do as adults. Right, right. They get away with their behaviour because no one thinks that they would do it because they don't know the real, right. the real person behind it. They're very good at manipulating. Very, very good at pulling the strings for other people to yeah, do the exactly. dirty they're work the for ones. them. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they're the ones going, go and beat them up. Yes. But yeah. they're stood away going, it was nothing to do with me. Yeah, that's, that's, so they, no, they, they, they wouldn't be the ones that were doing the bullying. Not going to get that handy. Right, right, right. They pull the strings. They are the puppet master behind it all. Yes. Now, the thing is about a narcissist as well is that they're utterly charming. They look like they're completely in control, have it all together. But when, you know, that top comes off the bottle and they explode, they are extremely scary and very dangerous. Um, are there any particular signs, you know, that you can see in a child that, you know, that narcissism is kind of being developed in them through that behavior? And if you can see that, you know, what would be the appropriate steps to take if you were witnessing this as a teacher or, you know, as the neighbor of the kid or whatever? Well, and the main, most important thing for, pe- for people that work with children is to have a really thorough understanding of how each of the different attachment styles present in children. Because what you're looking for is a disorganized attachment style. So it will be the child who has a completely inappropriate reaction. It's not going to be the child who is, gets over-the-top angry because someone trips them or because someone steals them. It's going to be a really, it's going to be a really bizarre, mm. out of out of context rage, right? Because yeah. the child doesn't know how to regulate their own emotions, and so in the same way that the adult narcissist will rage over seemingly the most ridiculously small, mm-hmm. 
the child would be exactly the same. So it's very important that teachers, um, social workers, anyone involved in working with children and families knows what the attachment styles look like in children. Because as you, as the facts that you shared at the very start, 60 to 70% of child abuse cases involve a parent who has, who has a disorganized attachment style. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking, that's what we're looking for. That we look, that's the biggest warning sign for children. What kind of attachment style does this child have? Majority of them will have insecure, avoidant, insecure, anxious. But there'll be a few that have this disorganized style. And they're the ones that we really are the most concerned about. These are the ones that are being abused. Yes. And, you know, the thing about children being abused, it's like with anybody being abused. A, a, a skilled abuser will never do anything physical on a person that shows, you know, bruises. It's always where things can be covered up. Um, and children will, you know, who have been abused, it's not always evident. People can't see signs of it. And they're immediately sworn to secrecy or look what you made me do. You know, and it automatically comes on to the child that you asked for this. This happened to you because you're bad. And so when we see a child of abuse, is they always take on that responsibility of that abuse. And they did something wrong to receive that, don't they? Oops, sorry, we have a little bit of a drop here. So what do you think about that? Absolutely. I mean, child abusers are are brilliant at the cover-up. And, you know, narcissists are master manipulators. And so, unfortunately, physical and sexual abuse is possible and quite likely from narcissistic parents. Because, one, they don't need boundaries anyway. So, to them... Sex is sex. It doesn't matter what it's with. If they're angry, they'll hit them. It's not their fault. They they were angry. What else are they supposed to do? The child shouldn't have made them mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what will happen is the child, the, a child of a narcissist is so conditioned by the narcissistic parent that even if they spoke out, no one would believe them. And so the child learns, there's no point in me ever saying anything. No one listens. I am trapped. That's how a child of a narcissist feels like. I have nowhere to go. Nobody listens. Nobody cares. And if I if I say anything and I'm found out and it's investigated that they told me, I'll rip the family apart and I'll be on my own. And if I'm on my own, I'm at risk. Yeah. So the child's caught in that. I'm at risk at home, but I'm at risk out there on my own. So it's again, it goes back to that what we talked about earlier, yeah. that the child is needs the comfortability and of the parent, but the, that parent is the one causing them yeah. the pain, the anxiety in the first place. So it's very difficult for um, the children of narcissists to actually be able to tell anyone about what's going on, partly because they don't even think it's problematic. The, the narcissist has manipulated them so well. Yes. They don't even see what's going on. You know, I know that many, many a time, and I've done many a show on this where, you know, a child has been um, sexually abused by the father, even the grandfather and, you know, the mother and the grandmother have known about it and uh, won't do anything about it. And very, very often that is because they have been reduced to that child and the fear 
of uh, being kind of set out into the cold or, you know, mm-hmm. beaten into submission. And because, you know, I as a mother could not understand, you know, any form of abuse of my children. I'd stand up and fight fiercely on it no matter what. But we have to understand if the, it being, if you have a narcissistic parent and a nurturing, um, you know, spouse, that nurturing spouse is going to be a victim of that narcissist as well. And so very often they cannot for their children because they've been put in a state of fear as well, haven't they? Absolutely. And we know that, um, I'm sure Anusha covered this, that the narcissist will make you believe that you're the problem. Yes, I'll guarantee that <laughs> you are the one that has mental health problem. And they've already spread this. They've already started the smear campaign. Whilst you're in a relationship, they would have been whispering with their friends. Mm-hmm. They'd be telling anyone that will listen that you have a problem, whatever that problem be problem, mental health problem, temper problem, whatever it is. They've already spread that. So if you try and do anything, if you try and leave... They just click their fingers and their flying monkeys come to the rescue. Mm-hmm. They've been telling us for ages how awful you are. You are not children. And so the, the a parent who is caught in a relationship with a narcissist is in a no-win situation. They stay and the child is subjected to more and more abuse. They leave and they lose their kids and are subjected to more and more abuse. It's a very difficult situation for parents to be in and this is why it's so important that we do the work with professionals Mm -hmm. so that when someone does leave we can we can help them actually rescue those children protect the children do the job that we're supposed to do in ensuring that even though the narcissist might look like butter wouldn't melt right the secrets are there that all the clues are there we just need theories that are already in place. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're just using what we know. But narcissists are very good at deflecting. It's all about smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. They're they're experts at it. You know, they're they're very very skilled. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I had a relationship you know, with my husband, and uh, you know, it's it's the making you feel worthless. Um, mm. You know, you're unable to do anything for yourself. You wouldn't be able to support the kids. Who would yeah. love you? Right. Nobody else would want you. And, you know, it took them years to to, um, you know, crawl up those steps of to self-esteem again, to self-value yes. again. And it was kind of through, you know, through the the tornado of you know, you're disgusting, you know, that um, you you had to work your way through that. And it's you know, that's where if you are in a relationship with a narcissistic person and you're trying to get out, it is it's just fight. Fight for yourself and ask for the help. You know, you're not going to change them. You'll yeah. change their behavior. You're not going to get validation or justification. You know, look, see what he did. No, Nobody's going to pay attention because, as you said, you know, they're, they're movie stars when they're around other people. Can't do anything wrong. Uh, mm. Nobody sees them behind the door. Um, and so to get people to believe you is hard in the first place so you need to turn to those people who do and who can help you build yourself up to a point that you have enough courage to literally grab your kids and go but even then you've got to have a lot in place as form of protection um, because they will go after you not because they want the kids or want you but because the fact that you pulled one over them 
obviously you can you, um, you cause narcissistic injury so therefore you must pay mm-hmm. and you will pay and in in whatever way they can but what, what often happens if you do if you do get to that point where you have the courage and you have the confidence and you have the support in place to leave and your kids at that point the the narcissist suffers what I say suffer I don't mean but they they essentially have basically a similar to a psychotic break where they because you have committed narcissistic injury on them you are now the your ex-spouse and ex-parent so therefore they reenact all of the drama and trauma from their own childhood in which they were a victimized child and put that onto their child so this child now becomes a victimized child so if you've kidnapped them they'll say you've kidnapped them um then you, they are at risk from you. They then become the protective parent and you abuser, and you then have to spend thousands of pounds improving something that didn't happen. Yes. You have to prove, I didn't abuse them, which is almost impossible to do. Rather than the emphasis being on the parent to prove that it did happen, the emphasis is on the parent to prove it didn't. Yeah. Which it, it's guilty impossible. before proven innocent. In family court, it is, absolutely, which is totally opposite to normal court processes. Um, And so the battle begins at that point because the narcissist will use every ammunition in their arsenal, including manipulation and psychological abuse of that child. So the child ends up believing everything about you that the narcissist So they will destroy your relationship with your child yeah just to evict you from the relationship you are no longer needed in our lives you you hurt me therefore gone i never want to hear from you again never want to see you again you'll never see your kid again and that those are the sort of threats that will be made throughout relationships and and they will carry them through they will carry them through very skillfully and then you know immediately get somebody else in their life to take care of the kids and them right they'll just start all over so they will replace you they do they do but some will also take it to the death some will Mm -hmm. they they rather than let you win yeah they will commit the most atrocious to ensure that you you'll never you'll never win and obviously there's warning signs prior to that and not all narcissists will go down that path but it is a possibility it is a very real possibility because they hate to they hate for the truth to come out they hate for the world to see that they're the inadequate one that 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 is where the problem lies so they put everything onto you you're the problem parent you're the abusive parent i'm perfect the relationship ended because you're the problem. When you start to unravel that and people start to see, oh, actually, their story doesn't quite add up, that's when they'll go to extreme lengths, kidnapping and murder in, in, in most severe cases. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it, as I said about the beating, you know, and showing, you know, the, you make sure that nothing is shown. Um, the other form of beating is brow beating. I was never physically touched. It was emotional. And, you know, beat you emotionally to a pulp where you just can't defend yourself anymore. Uh, you know, and that's, pe- people don't see that. You know, the, they have this illusion that everything is perfect. You have a wonderful marriage. Um, and nobody, how do you, how do you tell people about the abusive, you know, the verbal abuse or the, the browbeating, as they call it? Because people don't register that. Is that a thing? 
You know, it's you look all right. You know, you've got a nice mm-hmm. home. The kids are well dressed. You know, what's your problem? And okay. so, you know, it's sometimes you have to step outside of your circle altogether, don't you? You somewhere that is totally detached um, and unavailable to his image being projected for them to believe you and to start helping you. So it's don't always turn to yourself because they've already already under the spell. Yeah. Right? So it's literally, you know, look for those professionals, look for people completely outside of your circle. Because the moment he knows that you're talking to someone, he can immediately go in there and start manipulating and change that person. So it's step away from um, that arena altogether and seek help outside. Yeah, be very stealth about yeah. it. Make sure that they don't don't get a whiff that you're gaining any strength. And often, do and this is this is what's so difficult about emotional abuse is that you don't even know yourself. You mm-hmm. don't even know yourself that it's happening because they're not they're not they're clever enough not to make it obvious. They're very covert in that respect. So it'll be this thing, and you'll think, did they really say that? And if you question them, they go, don't be so sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so you end up thinking, oh, right, okay, well, maybe it was just me then. Yeah. And you and that, they twist that to the point that actually, not only do you end up believing everything that they're saying, end up believing that you are incapable, that you are crazy, that you are nothing without them, but you also, you physically become so weak in this because the mind and the body are inextricably linked. So when they are attacking your mind and your thought processes and how you view yourself, you'll get hit. And so in a lot of cases, you have to rebuild your physical strength as well to get out. A lot of people suffer from PTSD mm-hmm. and severe anxiety and depression because it, it is, it's an attack upon your whole mind that they do. And they're very clever. They're very subtle about it. And, and you, you don't even know that it's happening until probably physical symptoms is the first thing. And you go to your doctor and you get diagnosed with depression. And then the narcissist will use that against you. So you've got depression. You can't look after the kids. And so you are trapped. Yeah. You can't ask for help because if you ask for help, it's used against you. Yes. Terrifying. Yeah, and you know, um, I, I I developed my illnesses, with, and mm. yes, you know, the post traumatic. Yep, yeah, it's there. It doesn't matter. There's there's only so much mind over matter that you can do, um, and you know, not that you live in the trauma, but you you know what triggers it, and so you're more sensitive to to environments and things around you. But it's um, of course, if you get sick, now you become a burden, and mm. they don't want that, right? So now they blame you for being sick. So, you know, and, and no responsibility for the fact that they, you know, part of the cause of it. Um, but it's, it's really hard in a relationship like that to come out. But, uh, you know, as I said, if the, you know, the way that I project doing it is, is work on yourself. Work on building your own self-esteem. Realize you are not this person that he's projecting on. You know who you are in the inside and bring yourself out. Find yourself again. Take that journey. Um, however long it takes, because when you can stand up on your own two feet and challenge him, uh, all of a sudden that little child comes out in him. You know, he hasn't got that lording over you anymore. And you've also got to assess how violent the person is going to be if he's that type of person. 
and be careful how you do it. But if it's not a violent person, it's just a person that's a bully, then stand up to that bully. They start depleting. And um, it can be done. But it's a question of patience, persistence, and you know, finding that self-love again, that self-respect, and standing tall, raising your vibration to a point that they cannot do this to you anymore. What you're doing for your children is showing them how to stand up to bullies, showing them to place value upon themselves, showing them that they are more than what has been upon them. So a lot of people say, but I, you know, like me, I stayed because of the kids. It was my kids that told me to get a divorce. And a lot of people stay because of that, also for the fear that they have nowhere to go. But you mm. need to do this for children. Otherwise, your children are going to go out and repeat that pattern because that's all they think there is. So if you stand up for yourself and you're standing up for them, you're showing them how to find their own strength and courage in life. So it's really imperative, isn't it, that as a parent who is a victim of this, that you find whatever way you can to stand up for the children. Yeah, you have to you have to model the behaviours that you want your children to use. And if you've got kids with a narcissist, they're going to be in their, their kids' lives forever. So you need to think, how do I want my children to deal with this person? How do I want them to have a relationship with their mother or their father um, that keeps them safe but doesn't cut them doesn't cut them off? Um, and then model that and absolutely show them. This is how you put low contact in place. This is how you put your boundaries in place. This is how you respect yourself. Um, that's a long journey for people to it go is. on because you're starting off. You are depleted. You yes. are empty, and that's that's not a good place to be parenting from either. No, because your pet, your ki- kids need you. Kids need you to. They feed off of you. Part of that, uh, part of your the child parent child relationship is you should be in tune with your children. So they look at you and they know, oh my god, she's stressed, she's anxious, she's depressed. And then you would look at them and go, something's not quite right. You pick up off one of one another, and you don't want them picking those things up. You don't want them feeling anxious. You don't want them feeling depressed which they will be you feeling that way in order to give a secure environment for them and to give them all the skills that they need to feel confident in who they are, you need to feel that way about yourself. Yeah. And so hard as it is sometimes, you have to do what they say on aeroplanes. Yes. Put your mask on. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. <It's true. laughs> no, it is absolutely true. And, uh, you know, that was a long fight back for me. I would say it was a good eight years of me me struggling, which doesn't mean it has to be for someone else. It just was in my case. But it, it was very true because uh, this is something else. When you, when you invite your kids to be a part of the solution, you know, um, my son became a mediator between my husband and I. My husband was a complete denialist and, and you know, my son would point that out. But no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You know, I didn't do that, right? Um, and my son kind of stepped up into that role, which I didn't want him to, but he did because he saw the need. And it became even part of my healing and part of my empowering because he saw behavior. And the children, you know, turned around to me and said, it's time for a divorce. And I say, well, I've got to wait until Tasha finishes school and go, no, 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 you, um, it, and she turned around and said, forget it. It's time. You, you cannot live in this dysfunction anymore. And they have a relationship with them. They know what to expect. 
It's mm. you know it's on that level. They know their their lives and their self worth is not defined by how their father look you know their father looks at them, because they know that he's pretty well incapable of them for who they are who they are. They you know that he has an issue with with that and he's incapable of it. They love him all the same, but they they're not defined by his love, and you know because I put all my love into my kids, <laughs> but they then in turn poured their love to me and I think kids don't sell them short because you know you owe it to them to stand up on your own two feet and and to do the best you can because they're going to feed on that vibration but also at the same time you can help mommy or help daddy whoever's in that relationship because they are awesome and they're incredible and they they really have that capability if you give them the power to say let's do this together I think that has upon the age of the yes. children because yeah. what we don't want is Young we don't we don't want children triangulated into the relationship issues. Right. They, regardless of who the narcissist is, it's their parent, and so when any criticism goes to their parents, they take that on board. That's them. You're crit- you're you're criticizing me because I'm half them. Right. And so it's important that we don't allow children to become one side or the other so they we we want you to love both parents we want you to be children this is an adult issue because the narcissists are experts at triangulating children into the relationship they will well it's it's your mother's fault that this relate that um our family broke up Mm -hmm. um it's your mother's fault that this happened and actually we don't want them to feel like that we don't want them to feel that um, they they should ha- be having those conversations right. because their children deserve to they deserve to love both parents regardless of the quality of those parents they deserve the opportunity to love them um, and so it, it that would to me that would depend very much on age obviously as they're reaching their l- late means they're pretty much adults in their yes. sensibilities and so they. They will have learned a lot of skills to be able to manage that, but much younger children should never be put no, in a position. No, no, I don't advocate the younger because the younger children, you just pour all of your love into them. And, and, and in turn, the love that you pour into them, they pour back to you. You know, they become that rock, uh, you know, that, that, you know, m- the more love you give them, the more that they, in their gratitude and love, the, you know, that resonates to you. It gives you the strength you need to do what you need to do. I'm talking teenagers, and there was never, ever any dad bashing Uh, as I said they have a relationship with their father because I always define your relationship with your father is your relationship defined Mm -hmm. my relationship with your father is divine as a spouse totally different and it has nothing to do with you in in that sense and so you know they were old enough and all to understand that and and they were you know also um, they were living in it they had a voice you know, they were at that age where they could see what was going on and saying, this is just not healthy for anybody. And so and it was allowing them to have that empowerment, to have their voice and to say, I don't want to live in this situation anymore. But younger, of course, they don't have that voice. I'm talking about when they're older. Um, but, you well, know, how do children of narcissistic parents... Um, you know, when they're out at other friends' homes and they see, you know, the lovingness of both parents and see other things going on and they know at their home they can't do that or, you know, that isn't going on. Um, 
there must be a feeling with the children of, that they're definitely missing out, something's wrong, and then they look at their own family demographic and go, hang on, you know, my parents don't do that, we don't sit around the table, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, how do you empower a child to, in, in that case when they're faced with that? Well, what you find with a lot of children and narcissists is actually they don't have many friends because, one, the narcissist doesn't want anyone else to know what's going on, so they won't want children at the house, and they certainly won't want you going to anyone else's house because you might expose something, you might say something. They can't control the flow of information if they're not in front of you, so they will struggle. But you'd also find that children and narcissists, because of their own insecurities, would probably mix with people who equally have dysfunctional families. So you probably wouldn't, they probably wouldn't necessarily witness that happy family because the families that they were mixing with probably wouldn't be that dissimilar to their own. There'd be a lot of arguments, there'd be a lot of fighting. So they maybe wouldn't recognise that there's a great deal of difference. But like I say, not a lot of children who naturally have a social circle because the narcissist doesn't want that. The narcissist doesn't want you to have, in the same way as a partner... They don't want you to have friends. They don't want you to speak to your family because you might say something mm. and they might turn around and say, well, that's not right. So they limit their own children. They limit and control who they can and can't speak to. They will have a list of approved friends. And if they fall out with a parent, you can't be friends with their kid anymore. That's how that's how it works. Children. So, But I think if you've got... I mean, obviously, we've got to remember that narcissism is on a spectrum. Right, uh, yes, yes. I, I, I mean, I'm talking about the severe cases, right. and so I apologise that no. a lot of mine is, is from that angle. And, but that's the cases I work with, is the most severe cases. Um, um, but obviously, there is on a spectrum. So if you, have, if you have a neglecting parent but a nurturing um, non-narcissist parent, then... You empower that child by giving them a really strong sense of self, mm-hmm. believing in them, listening to them, positive reinforcement, just really getting them to like them, providing that secure environment so that when they when they make a mistake, they're not punished for it. You talk it through, you give them that strength and that confidence in themselves, and that's how we... That's how you can create that secure... A secure attachment is is the the magic key to a happy life. Um, And so as much as you can do to create that with your own children, the better, but there's always going to be that insecure dynamic that they have with the narcissist parent. That would be a secure relationship because the narcissist can't give anything. And and attachment is a two-way street. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, And would you say that narcissism is most certainly... You know, a bit a behaviorally made condition, or, or would you say people are born that way? There's research that shows that there's a genetic element, but it's one of the genes that I I can never remember what they're called, but they are um, the the genes essentially. Right. So nurture would win. Right. So you can have a child who's got who's predisposed to having this genetic. Um, predisposition to having narcissism but if they're raised in a very secure and loving environment that's gene switched on obviously if that child with a predisposition is raised in an insecure disorganized environment then yes it's going to be switched on and it's going to be everything in their environment is going to add to that so we have behaviors within that and um, there's also a 
the potential that it can be caused by an injury to the prefrontal cortex because that's where empathy it's where we process all our emotions that's where all of that happens so if there's any injury to that part of the brain it can element for the child and can lead to these personality disorders that are bereft of those kind of things um and then yeah like i say so it's it's those three those three main are the causes and we've talked about the cycle of narcissist breeding cycle which is the splitting dynamic which happens when the narcissist is the threat and the comfort so that's the social learning so right. yeah injury genetics and social environment the yeah the attachment style of the parents is there a certain age where it's kind of too late to, to help a narcissist? You know, you've you've got people who adopt or you maybe have a, a second marriage or whatever, this, and you recognize that there's narcissistic behavior here in the child from wherever they've got it from. Is there, you know, is there a, an age where you can say you're just, it's beyond helping them with the empathy now, that development isn't there? Um, or is, no, is it just, you know, just do all you can? <laughs> There's research that's coming out of America that shows that positive reinforcement can actually help rebuild the prefrontal cortex. So that would suggest that if you had an adolescent, for example, who um, was developing through um, through a narcissistic parent or through any of those other uh, that we talked about, then it, lots of positive reinforcement could potentially reverse the effects because it would help them to develop um the empathy develop thought processing develop um the what's the word i'm looking for brain's just gone dead um uh, oh god well, simple kindness they, really isn't it <laughs> well yeah it's um impulsivity that's right, the right. No, there you go yeah the impulsive um area of their brain it the positive reinforcement can help to rebuild the areas and so again it's very hard with age because there's so many different factors Mm -hmm. so many different factors that come into play there's no a plus b equals c with personalities and and that's the wonderful nature of human beings that you can put there's no set recipe there's no if you put all these ingredients in a pot this is exactly what you'll get out it is a case of well the temperature might have been slightly warmer that day and there's so many different elements to consider but obviously the older the child gets the more these behaviors have become entrenched within their personality the more their attachment style is set in stone um but like i say this is what the sort of work that a new do in the future is this research level of what can we do what can we do to to prevent and what can we do to protect? Um, and that ultimately does come down to understanding w- at what point. You can look at from a child development point of view, narcissists can get stuck at set ages. They can get stuck at concrete thinking age. They can get stuck at um, a, a slightly older age, but it, it would it would depend on the behaviour of the child for you to do. It looks like they're stuck here. Right. If you look at Erickson's theory, they're stuck at this particular point. Um, so what can we do to get them past that? So, yeah, it's um, there's a lot of different things involved, and this is the work that we want to do right. is really get into the bottom of that so that we can, we can work with families um, to help 
to help prevent the next generation, essentially. Well, I mean, you have so many kids in foster homes, you know, um, and every time they're shoved into another foster home, you know, they feel, you know, they're going to be rejected again. Nobody's going to love them. They're just passed on. And it's really hard for for a kid in that development, isn't it? Because they they really do Mm. cares for them. Nobody loves them. Um, Mm. And then they may find a a loving foster home and then along comes the system and says, no, now they've got to move on somewhere else. Um, But it's essential that they do find a place where there is somebody that just simply, any form of, you know, um, condition, pours love on them. Because they just don't know it, do they? They feel rejected. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, the care system itself is Broken. very... <laughs> Bottom <laughs> line. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's horrendous. It's abuse. It's, it's, yeah. It just exacerbates the child abuse. Yes. Because we, we do, we constantly shift kids around we leave them too long we're in abusive families and and they are going to struggle because they learn not to trust anyone they learn not to trust the world and so they struggle through school because they're not going to make friends so they will act out and then they'll get excluded as a bad child they'll carry that label with them and we don't have anything in place that's strong enough to step in at that point and go, this isn't going to happen. We need a complete overhaul of that system. So actually we are helping them to create those those worthwhile relationships, those secure environments, so they can really n- be nurtured into becoming a, a, a confident who trusts themselves and trusts people around them so they can go out and achieve success in the world and, and whatever they deem as being success. Um, but, yeah, we don't have that at the moment. No, no, we, we have don't. We have a system. I mean, you know, here in North America, or in America especially, we're, we're seeing, you know, like recently, you know, a kid just going into a school because he'd been expelled and yes he'd lost his parents but you know um wasn't overtly showing showing some depression but wasn't overtly showing any kind of you know anger or, or playing up and then just takes a gun and goes and shoots 17 people and puts several other people in hospital and then goes off to mcdonald's for a burger now, mm. is that any form of narcissism? Or are you looking at somebody that may started off as a narcissist and you know uh, propelled into something else? It sounds sociopathic to me. It's that it's more antisocial personality disorder, which is incredibly similar to narcissistic. Mm-hmm. It's it's the going off to McDonald's and <laughs> that yeah. scares me because that's like actually I'm rewarding myself yeah. for this awful thing that I've done and which is more of the sociopathic element um but definitely definitely a personality place there mm-hmm. I mean people that kill have personality disorders because you have in order well I say that the majority of people that kill obviously you do get the odd case where there's mitigating circumstances right, yes. but on passion, the whole if yeah. you're yeah if you're capable of taking a life that's a, you've got no understanding of anyone else's perspective and feelings and wishes someone wishes to stay alive but you don't care i'm going to kill you that is that is essentially a personality disorder at play and that's why child abuse is predominantly committed by people with severe personality disorders because they don't care right (laughs) they don't care who they hurt and they're not really capable of caring are they you know because as you said it hasn't 
they're not capable, so they don't think they've done anything wrong. No. If they kill someone, the they'll find that they'll find a way to make sure that the blame is laid firmly on someone else's door. Right. There's a there's a lady in America named Jodie Anis, I think her name was. She um she was seeing this um seeing this man I think they were in their maybe early 20s and she was obsessed with him and he decided, you know what, it's a bit too much of this relationship anymore. So she hassled him for a bit, trying to get him back on, but the more she hassled, obviously, the more he was like, oh my God, she's really crazy. Right. I'm definitely not going to get back with her. So she drove to his house and killed him. And obviously made it this grandiose lie of how it was his fault. He'd done this, that and the other. And even... Even in the court process, she showed no remorse whatsoever for what she'd done. She still continues to this day, is now thriving on the celebrities mm. that she has. And these are the narcissistic sociopath traits that you look at. It is, if anyone, if you took a life, if I if I ran someone over, for example, I would be guilt-ridden for the rest of my days. Right. Because this wouldn't. A narcissist right. would blame them. Well, they stepped out. They wouldn't think, oh, my God, that poor person. they right. think, well, it's not my fault. They were in the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. They will always find a way to... And they'll do that with their own children. If the child gets hurt, they won't, they won't offer them comfort or anything. They will just say, well, it's your own fault. Or they'll use it to their advantage. They, they won't automatically go to offer that child comfort. They will think, well, how can I use this to my advantage? Or shut you're yeah. getting on my neck. Yes, you know, I'm remembering a case um, again in America back in the 90s, a Susan Smith who who drowned her two children in the back of a car and then kind of blamed a black guy. And it was all because of her uh, mm. who didn't want children in her life. So she thought, oh, I'll get rid of my children so I could be with him. And of course, he didn't want that, um, you know. And when it came out that it was actually her and not, you know, somebody else that did it, because she was there crying on the news. My children, who killed my children? And it was her. And it, you cannot be in your right mind. I mean, she clearly had to have, you know, psychopathic and narcissistic behavior because there was absolutely no connection to loving her children. Just, you know, wanting the love from this one man. This is really, really where it can turn into the extreme, right? It doesn't yeah. mean everybody will, but it, those are the tendencies. If they're really looking for love and they find something, they want to hold on to that love. Um, All what they people think are expendable. Love. Everyone yeah. to an artist is expendable. It doesn't matter. If they, if they can get a better source of supply, then you're out on your ear, essentially. But if you, if you, if you are like, like in that woman's case, she deemed him to be the ultimate guy. This this guy obviously made her feel like she was someone that she's not normally. Um, she maybe respected or financial, whatever whatever it was. So therefore, the fact he was probably trying to get out of it, saying, "Oh, lovely, but I really don't want to be a dad." Thinking I'll let her down gently. Yeah. And then she yeah. goes, "Oh, well, I've got rid of my kids." Yes. <laughs> we can go out now. Exactly. It's that kind of twisted reality. Yeah. That that's what he meant. He yeah. meant kids, and we can be together. Right. Not, I don't want to be because they can't accept that. They can't no. accept he doesn't want to be with me. There must be so there must be a problem that I can solve. I can, if I just do that, then they'll want to be with me. If I just do that, they'll want to be with me, and that's how they think. They think I'll 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 figure it out. I'll make I'll make them be with me. Essentially, that's what yeah. I'm trying to get at. Is they will force someone to be with them 
by removing any obstacles that that person puts in the way. So quite essentially what we're looking at here is that once a person has stepped into that really extreme narcissistic behavior, there's very little return. But if we acknowledge that a child is a child of a narcissistic parent, which is not always evident, the fact, as you said, they're not being social, they're not going to other people's homes, they're not having people around their house, everything looks too perfect, rather like the Stepford Wives type thing, Um, you know, then it's for that child you know without obviously overstepping the line Um, but if you are a teacher and you see something like this then it's like talk to the counsellor but again it has to be done subtly doesn't it it's almost it's like over um, you know become the secret agent trying to help these children without the psych uh, without the narcissistic parent knowing because if they know you're trying to help this child they'll nip it in the bud Absolutely. And that's part of it, isn't it, is that in our, in our day and age, we can't do anything without parental consent. So you can't, you can't send a child to a counsellor without the parent agreeing to it. Hmm. And so that child, that parent, even, even they will say, oh, um, yes, okay, I'll give the permission because I'll look bad if I say right. no. But then they'll control that. Right. They'll control, so they'll speak, they'll want to speak to the counsellor first. And so... They'll try and manipulate the counsellor into seeing their point of view that and they're not being the ex is abusive or yes. whatever whatever it is they're trying to cover up, they'll try and drop those seeds of doubt in the counsellor's mind. So that that's that's the hypothesis that the counsellor then has. So when they've been coached prior to this counselling session, don't forget you're not to tell them that, you're not to tell them that, tell them this, tell them that, but don't tell them that and don't tell them that. So when this child is presenting counselling, is giving all the answers that confirm the hypothesis that the parent has given, the counsellor can easily be hoodwinked into going, all right, okay, well, no, this this parent-child relationship is absolutely fine because they both present the same story. So therefore, everything must be tickety-boo. In other words, what we've got to have in in the school system and 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 um, any system, even the you know sports coach or you know school counselor, um, you know the the doctor kind of seeing some evidence of some problems. Um, you know there has to be actually more training on that to actually recognise you know narcissism mm-hmm. or you know psychopathic or, or sociopathic type behaviours, and you don't need to have a degree on it, but they certainly do need to know what are the key signs so that recognize that this child has been un, under that. Then, of course, there has to be more support of them being able to step in and do something about it. And that's really where the system is broken right now and what really needs to be overhauled. What would you like to see being done? What I've done is I've set up a training uh, business around this, essentially, to train professionals to recognize um, disordered parenting and parental alienation and work with counsellors, teachers, lawyers, judges, you name it, you work with kids, come and do the course. Um, because we need to train those professionals to recognise the signs that they should they should know the theory behind it. They should understand that children who present in certain ways are giving outside the a child's behavior is always telling a story mm-hmm. and they should they should know that they know that through their training if you if you're a teacher you go to university you learn about child development you understand those things but 
this is this is not being taught in universities. This is not being taught. I was a social worker, never even heard of the term narcissism in any of my training, didn't have any anxiety disorders whatsoever, and yet 60-70% of child abuse cases involve personality disorder. Right. So there's a massive, massive problem there. So yeah, that's what my training company does, is I train those professionals. They do. Um, it's not about diagnosing, it's not about... Um, intervening at that point it's simply about being aware what the signs are for this child and then how can we all work together using what we know about child development to ensure the safety of this child see the bottom line is this is if somebody doesn't step up for that child or somebody doesn't step up for the spouse that's also been abused and controlled we forgot about the word control but it's all about control isn't it um, and it's their narrative nobody else's um, if we don't recognize this how are we able to step up and help anybody and we really need to empower the system um, to see the subtleties and get in there and interview as you can so that you're not ending up with a narcissistic child because that's all they've learned that's the whole behavior of the of them and they now become the next narcissistic generation it's something that really needs to be happened more it is um it's it's problematic because you get professional snobbery people telling you we know what we're doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) really they don't (laughs) but they they like to say that they do and take down those barriers and we're talking about all the doing the things that each and every sing, serious case review that we've had in this country since Victoria Climbia has all talked about collaborative working, working together, um, working with the child, with children, and yet none of those things are happening. None of those things are actually happening for children, and there's no joined up thinking. So you get a parent with a mental health problem like a personality disorder. Um, a referral goes into children's services no work will be done from the psychiatrist who refers that or potentially refers that saying i'm concerned about the child because this person's got x personality disorder but there's no conversation around how that might what that might do so, so the social worker will purely look at it from the child's point of view go out doing initial everything looks hunky-dory okay case closed jobs are good in right that kid has fallen through those cracks because the one has actually gone and had that conversation and said, you know what, this is what that impact is going to be for that child. This is how it's going to present. These are the things that you need to be looking for because it will be there. You just need to be looking for it. And kids fall through the cracks. They don't have a robust children and counsel children and adolescents counselling service or a mental health service. Certainly not in Lincolnshire. It, all the funding has been cut and so we're getting less and less qualified people in the important child protection cases so they're not recognizing what's going on for these families and narcissists are so good at pulling the wool over professionals eyes yes that we're just we're not getting to them we're not getting to the the children and they're the ones at risk and yet we're not touching them we're well, not you're, getting close. You probably found it was a narcissistic that cut the funding in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, too right. These people in powers, are, they are, without shadow of a doubt, a lot of them will have narcissistic tendencies. And, and you know, that is the thing. We do have an awful lot of narcissistic people in very high, powerful positions. And, you know, they take no accountability. 
you know, there's somebody in power in the States who's an absolutely classic case of not, um behavior. And, you know, no ability whatsoever to take any ownership of anything they say or do um, because they just simply see it from the humanity point of view. They do not see it from heart or from caring. They're incapable and trying to, you know, hope that they change. You know, when they're so entrenched in at that level, again, if they're not willing to see it, there's nothing you can do about it. And so we really do actually have kind of people that you're voting into power, you know, because yeah, that behavior now is going to become a norm. They're going to make sure it is. But you look at him and you look, he, he classically loved both the American nation he told them everything they wanted to hear yes he told them i'm gonna close borders i'm gonna kick these people out he played on their fears mm-hmm. gave them what they wanted and they were like oh my god amazing when we're, we're totally in love with you mm. as soon as he got what he wanted no i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna do that yep. i'm not gonna do that and then as soon as anyone challenges him he says well you're an idiot you're sacked yes you're an idiot i'm not dealing with you you're an idiot i'm gonna nuclear bomb you yeah so he is all of the narcissistic traits within one man yeah and it's but unfortunately as great as it is that we're using the term it gives reality of what narcissists are because very few people in the world are ever going to get to that level of power and yet being a parent is the, the one of the most powerful positions you will ever be in you have the mind of a child in your the heart and the life of a child in your hands and so power is it's on different levels mm-hmm. so just because someone isn't the president doesn't mean that they're not powerful so i think we, we've got to feel that when we're talking about a certain president when being very specific about the behaviors as opposed to always oh, so powerful he's this is that and actually yeah but he love bombed them and this is what you would do this is a normal level of love bombing this is he got uh, this is how you would this is how you would um feel it if you're in a relationship or you were they were your parent he discarded <laughs> yeah. this is how it would feel and it's teaching them about behind it as opposed to the label because the label itself is is secondary because very few narcissists get diagnosed anyway. We're all just we're all just assuming that they're narcissists based on their behaviours. But it's teaching people what what are the behaviours to look out for and how do you recover from that and how do we help children recover from that as opposed to it being all about oh because not I mean yeah we've all jumped on the narcissist bandwagon myself included. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, than that, it's about this collection of behaviours that actually are more than one particular personality disorder. Right, and the thing is, is you know the prime example um, of him being in power and clearly being a narcissist. And when you look at his, you know, you know his father was all about business; it was all about money. You know, he himself was one of these people looking mm-hmm. to be loved and to validate and prove himself, right? And um, you know, it's actually a great example to look at because you don't want to be, um, you know, having a, a you know somebody turn into him. So it's actually understanding that 
if you don't want your children to end up being a narcissist, love them to bits. <laughs> show them mm-hmm. love, show them empathy, show them caring, show, show them how to express all of that freely and openly. And then you will have a child that will be well balanced, that will have empathy, that will not be afraid to love, that will have a caring heart, that will understand the the gifts and then we will actually have a better society but because we're not paying attention to this and we're ending up with children so many as you said the percentage is so high with some sort of you know um, a disorder because of the lack of nurturing we know in some aspects you know mum staying at home and raising the kids was that nurturing um, there mm-hmm. and now we have both parents working and they're latchkey kids or they're at daycare. Parents are too tired when they get home. We've got to remember the priority is those children and to make sure even if it's not a lot of time through the day, that when you are with them, they are loved to bits. And if not, we're going to end up with a continued dysfunctional society. But we celebrate that. We celebrate. We have, we have reality TV careers because we celebrate people with no, not they're not particularly loving, caring. They're not celebrated for how they make people feel. They're celebrated for how big their bank balance is or yes. how many followers they've got on Instagram or how many Twitter followers they've got. And so we encourage narcissism in our society. So people who don't really understand what it is will think that those behaviours are okay. That's who you should be. Mm-hmm. If you want to be famous, if you want to earn money, if you want to do okay, well, become obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Become... become nasty become all these awful things that actually we don't want children to be whatsoever so it's about in schools and um as parents and just changing the attitude so that actually being kind is the is the best thing you can be in the whole wide world yes it it doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank if you're alone and you're unloved you've got to be kind you've got to be loving you you've got to be compassionate you've got to be empathetic and we need to encourage those qualities within our younger generation so that we we do prevent this horrendous consumer society that has just gone it's become a beast yeah we've become you know consumerism rich but heart poor Absolutely. And, and, we don't want... No, we, we can see it's breaking down our society and it's breaking down our planet. It's breaking everything down. <laughs> you know, and, and why is it, you know, in, in a world that now is meant to be more sophisticated, has more hands-on knowledge? Because we don't, we neglect. We neglect the power of the heart. We neglect the knowledge... Yes, knowledge is great and it's great to challenge yourself. But if you're always striving for something to be better and something and that's all you're interested in, then the human relationship, we might as well be robots. We're in a a society that we're wide of artificial intelligence and yet we keep trying to create it. Yes. And we're losing the ability to connect with one another. So we're essentially becoming what we're fearful of. We're We're losing our humanity. We are losing our humanity. And that's a big part of the narcissistic development is actually narcissists aren't human because empathy is your bottom line indicator of humanity because that's what what makes our ability to interconnect. And yet we are forgetting that we're losing sight of what's truly important in this world and becoming all about the fast cars and 
big bank balances. Yeah. And that's narcissistic. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) You know, um, the big ego is a narcissistic ego, isn't it? You know, uh, my self-importance is in my image. And my image is so important to me. It's an illusion. It's something Mm. you've painted, something you are frantically trying in the eyes of others and convince yourself you're that important. Um, But at the expense of everybody else around you. So... Yeah. But it can never, we can never, so few of us can achieve those dizzy heights. And so if everyone's aspiring to be a millionaire, actually, so many people are going to be disappointed. And that's what causes the problems. Yes. Is that actually aspire to be happy, aspire to be loved, aspire to be one with the world. And then you can achieve that because that's within your self-control. And then the other things that you want or the abundance that you want in your life, that will naturally radiate towards you anyway. But the wrong way, we value value what we can pay for and we don't value what's free. Right. You know, everybody's looking for that free three thing. It's within you, folks. It's within you. Switch on your love button. Okay. Well, next week we're going to have uh, both you and... Anushka on the show where we're going to be talking more to the actual solutions of what we actually can do, how we can empower ourselves, how we can switch that love button back on. <laughs> and, um, you know, in, in this world of, that we've become, you know, that is really uh, growing because it's breeding each other. You know, what can we do about it? How can we be aware? How can we converse about this in a way that we can be proactive and productive? So in the meantime, love, would you let everybody know how they can get hold of you and for them? Okay, well, if you are um, an individual who is struggling um, coming out of or still in the throes of a narcissistic relationship and want to know how to move forward with that, whether it be co-parenting or, or just recovering then um i can offer one-to-one work um group support and um you can get hold of me on any social media platform you can think of um called the nurturing coach that's that's what that's under so on twitter it's the nurturing coach instagram the nurturing coach and facebook is the nurturing coach as well youtube the nurturing coach mm-hmm. <laughs> right um, if you're a professional watching this and you've been intrigued by what we've had to say and want to learn how you can make a difference to the children in your community and you're in the UK, um, I'm based in Lincolnshire, but I am willing to travel into more about what training courses I offer. That is www.napark.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today. It is a subject, um, you know, there isn't one, so there has to be multiple approaches to it. Um, and, you know, it's it's so toxic, you know, um, and it's, it's so detrimental uh, to to the lives of children, society as a whole. And we really cannot brush this under the rug. We really do have to address it and look for a cohesive solution because it's not any one solution. The community has to get on board, don't they? Absolutely. We have to work together with this, definitely. And not to say it, but do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. Um, You know, with Anushka on on the actual relationship and you with the relationship of, you know, narcissistic with children being raised by them. And then, as I said, next week, we'll talk more about what can we do about it? How can we empower ourselves and our community? Um, This is a great series and teaching us a lot. So thank you so much for being with us today.
Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. So, folks, until next time, please choose in next week uh, when both of them will be on, you know, to students and ideas. If you've listened to the show and you have an idea or a question yourself, please just let us know in the Facebook and uh, we'll be glad to, to answer any questions. It's a tough subject. It's one that we really talked about and uh, this is what we're doing. So until next time, folks, bye for now. <laughs>